and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at precisionhydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. We're also brought to you by foodcell.co.uk. The next generation of top tube nutritional carriers for your bike designed to allow endurance triathletes and cyclists to carry enough food and gels while allowing easy access. Check it out at foodcell.co.uk. And we're also brought to you by teamoxygenatic.com triathlon coaching. Training plans, coaching support from your host Rob Wilby, monthly video coaching calls and a private Facebook group for you and your teammates. And don't forget, guys, you can join our new Oxygenatic Triathlon Community Facebook page. Just search for that in Facebook. Loads of triathlon chat going on in there. So get in there and say hi. And welcome to the show. Hells, how are you today? You sound just a little bit perkier than you were last week. I felt really rubbish last week, Rob. Yeah, you had the the, the first cold of the winter coming on, didn't you? A lot of it, it around was, at the moment. It's horrible. It's really, really horrible. Today, I have... Now, I think it it feels like it's the first time in ages and ages and ages um and it's that nice feeling of sore legs i actually feel like i was running again not just like cross country the other day i did a 10 mile run and i actually felt like i could run not at my best but i was i was you're back on it it, are you you're back on it back on it which is nice to say it feels like it's been quite a long sort of year really um so yeah it was it was good it was a 10 mile local race free beer at the end uh always good a little um buff um jelly girl i'm glad you're back on it hells back on it that was quite nice so yeah i've got a few more local races nothing like Um, a little winter warmer to get you get you fired up again honestly it was great so yeah i feel i feel on it on it good glad to hear it I'm lining up for a big mountain bike adventure. Are you? Mm. Have you heard Where of the Mary, the Mary Townley Loop? No, but fill me in because so it just sounds good. It's like a, it's like a, I think it's 55 miles or something, and it's like a big trail of bridle paths that go around in a big circle, just sort of north of North Manchester, out across the moors around that area. Um, I used to know who Mary Townley was and I've forgotten, I'm ashamed to say. I think she was the first person who kind of linked all the bridleways together on horseback back in the day. Oh, okay. So it's meant to be this meant to be this epic sort of you've got to do this once in your lifetime kind of deal. So that's what I'm aiming for. How about that? A bit of mountain bike action to kick the winter off. I like it. And is, is it a is it like a sort of is it a race or is it an no. event or are you just gonna do it on your own? Just gonna go and do it. Me and Andy. He's forced me into it. Well, not forced me. I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good. It's good to be able to mix it up, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Loving a bit of the old mountain bike at the moment. Do you you get out on it lots? No. (laughs) But I'm going to have to before we do this ride. Otherwise, I'm going to fall to pieces. But um, yeah, yeah, it'll be all fun. It'll be all good. Okay. You can do it as as a natural event, by the way. You can do it as an actual event. Yeah. There's an organised yeah. event, is there? Yeah. yeah. Just Googled it. Mary Townley Loop Endurance Mountain Bike Challenge. Oh, there you go. 
Yeah. Probably best, just... probably best to keep me out of the way of other mountain bikers after my, oh, maybe. After my 40 minute race epic last year. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, that'll be fun. Choose a good yes. day weather-wise. Yeah, totally. That's the key to it, isn't it? That's our, it's our big end of year adventure after, because um, somehow it's the end of October again, isn't it? Last year's end of October adventure was trying to run north to south across the lakes. Do you remember? <laughs> Oh, well, we almost died in that storm. So, yeah, it's time for the end of the end of season adventure. <laughs> nice. So, when, when's it going to be? Or vaguely? Next couple of weeks. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Pick pick a weather day and go for it. Love it. Good luck. Yeah. May the may the uh, protected collarbones be with us both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that. All right, let's jump into some results then. We've had, we've had a, a few crazy races going on uh, over the weekend. So first up, shout out to our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. If you guys haven't tried this already, you can get £9.99 worth of their free product using the code OxygenAddict. You can get on there. You can get yourself sweat tested online. You can get sweat tested in person. And the really cool thing that Precision Hydration do is they offer different strengths of electrolytes and they do not taste salty. So if you've had a bad experience in the past with electrolyte drinks where you've tried to drink it and almost gagged, these drinks are almost tasteless. They're not salty and they have anything from 250 milligrams of sodium all the way through to 1500 milligrams of sodium. And all of them taste the same. You've got a pretty neutral taste. You can mix it in with your other drinks as well. And you are good to go and totally covered on the hydration front. So this time of year, you're probably thinking, why is he banging on about hydration? But you're either going to be spending a lot of time on your turbo trainer or you're going to be spending a lot of time in the pool over the winter months. And both of these things are either going to need tons of hydration or you're going to be thinking about putting off cramp in the pool. So PH you guys. Get on it. PrecisionHydration.com and use the code OxygenAddict to get $9.99 worth of free product. All right, Hells, some place where they did not need very much by the way of keeping their electrolytes high because it was too hot this weekend were Mallorca and Ibiza, where it sounds like the weather was absolutely hideous while we were having nice weather up here. Well, right. So, yes, it did look pretty horrendous. However, all of last week, it was a bit like having Kona spam and you're sort of looking at all these people out in nice places like Ibiza and, and Mallorca posting pictures of sunshine. And then suddenly race weekend comes and it just went biblical and it looked really, really horrendous, tough, horrible conditions. Storms hit the islands and yeah, there's, there's photos of um, long course weekend. I think the bike was in question at one point. Uh, and then the run certainly did not look like um, running in paradise this year compared no, to last year, which was all. in yeah beautiful sunshine. And then um, Ibiza, that was where it was the European um, championships, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, well, should we go over the results from Mallorca first and give the nod to both? And it's hard to, hard to credit the fact she's won another one, but... The winningest winner, Lucy Gossage, takes the win out along course Mallorca. Nice work there. And it was Tom Vickery takes the men's race. He did a 2.45 marathon, Rob, today. Probably probably pretty cool conditions for doing one in, which is good. Mm, but yeah. I've got to say the photos all look pretty much like the, the race photos I have of me doing cross country as a kid in Blackpool, where <laughs> the seven people and umbrellas shivering down the, down the finishing straight. So... Fair play to anybody who battled the way through that. So I was considering entering that at one point last year, Hell. So I'm kind of being a bit of a pansy fair weather athlete at the moment. I'm kind of glad that I didn't. Oh, 
it's always easy isn't it to look back and go yeah I'm really really glad because honestly this time last week so a week ago and all these people were talking about going out to Ibiza or Mallorca I was like oh I really wish I was there and then yeah yeah, like you I thought oh no I'm I'm quite happy I wasn't but it's good fun when you're out there and racing though isn't it I bet you're like I bet you're into it while you're there and it makes it more obviously more of a challenge yeah and then you you think that it's more of achievement more of an achievement don't you yeah well the reports i've heard from ibiza said that the the run was a little bit tricky some steep slippery downhills on cobbles which weren't ideal in the wet but um it sounds like people got through it. i think the bike course was shortened from two laps to one and uh some some athletes i had racing out there sent me a photo of it's like a dual carriageway near where they were staying and it was under like a foot of water <laughs> Oh man! So they, they were yeah. really worrying whether they were going to get to ride at all at one point. So yeah, I yeah, think and a lot the organizers of people did a pretty good job of just getting them out there. That's it. A lot, a lot of people have said that that, given how bad the conditions were, they did a really good job of actually being able to make sure that there was a race. Yeah, totally. Right, so results then. We'll kick it off with the elite women. Um, we had a win for Alexandra Tonder from Belgium. Second place was Great Britain's Sarah Lewis. And third place was Great Britain's Alice Hector. And in seventh, Susie Richards backed it up there in seventh place as well. So well done to you lot. And then in the elite men, it was won by Giulio Molinari of Italy, ahead of Mickey Tagholt of Germany. And then Albert Moreno Mullins of Spain took third with George Goodwin and Thomas Davies of Great Britain in fifth and sixth. Bit of a change of pace to go all the way around the world, but uh, I always think it'd be a nice little combo to do Kona and then go and do the ex-Terra World Champs on Maui a couple of weeks later. I think that'd be a that'd be the, like the ideal holiday for me. And, it would be uh, it, it yeah, would be, be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Think about how much kit you'd have to try and cart halfway around the world. <laughs> Anyway, Xterra World Championships, so off-road triathlon championships, um, the world championships of this. And I'm including this really because there's a great story here. Um, the winner on the on the female side was, again, Scotland's... Um, Leslie Patterson. Leslie, thank you. My mind went completely blank there. Leslie Patterson takes it out on the ladies' side. But on the men's side, it was won by a Costa Rican athlete called Rom Ackerson. Have you read the story? Yeah, basically, he was pretty much done and dusted with uh, with his pro career. And he uh, last year didn't even have a car. So he was riding everywhere. Um, and yeah, for him, it's just been like... How good's that? It's come from that. To... The quote here on Slow Twitch says, I lost my car in a river at the same time I moved to the city. <laughs> How heartbreaking is that? How do you lose your car in a river? Don't know. There you go. So apparently he's gone from finishing... He's Probably finished, in floods. Yeah, well, absolutely. He's finished 8th and 10th, and then he's come from 10th place, laid on the line for this year, and has taken the big win. So yeah, that's no, awesome. Top it work. always looks really good, and conditions there this year, Rob, looked really, really tough. Like It looked so muddy at the course for the mountain bike, and, and the pictures are pretty good if you get to go back and have a look at them, in that they're, they're just all covered with like mud on their faces. Um, but great win as well, Rob, for Leslie Patterson, who she's won it, what, like five or six times, I think? I think that's the fifth, um, yeah, from memory. Yeah. Oh, third, so she won it in 2011 and 2012, and then she was runner-up in 2009, 2015, 2016. So 
she's just a, an awesome athlete though, isn't she? Yeah, totally. Cool stuff. Right, so let's jump forwards to our interview of the week for this week. We've got um, we've got a cracker this week lined up. But before we do that, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsors, Food Cell. So I've talked about this a lot over the recent weeks. I think they are the best solution at the moment for nutritional top tube carriers for cyclists out there. I've mentioned on previous shows, I've had one of these on my Svelo P2 and it replaced a different brand of one that I put on there that that looked like it was going to do the job when I bought it. But when I got it, I found not only could I get more than one gel into the damn thing, I then couldn't get the gel out of it as I was riding along without crashing. So it was an absolute disaster trying to use it. The uh, food cell went straight on the P2. Nice sliding mechanism on the top that allows you to get the gels or your flapjacks in and out. You can fit four of those massive gels into it. The slidey top bit makes it stay virtually waterproof so you can keep loads of stuff in there that's really dry and it's big enough to get all the stuff in that you need as well. So super impressed with this product from a British company. If you haven't checked them out, just go and have a look at the pictures over at foodcell.co.uk. They attach either with, um, if you've got top tube bolts on your top tube, they snug really nicely up behind the stem. And if you haven't got those on your bike, you can attach it with these natty little uh, tight-fitting Velcro straps as well that, that are really slick, to be fair to them. So really good solution. I think it's the best one out there at the moment. So get over and check that out at foodcell.co.uk. And this week's interview, Hells, is with... Um, we've had him on a couple of times before. Do you remember Howell Davis? I do remember Hal Davis. He's got like the best training history sort of like resume behind him, I think, for for, for a triathlete. He, he is quite an amazing athlete. We'll hear some of his story here. But as well as I got him on mainly because recently he went 8.54 Ironman Barcelona to win the male 40 category. Um, he's actually just about to turn 45. So he's at the very top of that category. And it's the same exact time he did as eight years ago. So this is a guy who's not slowing down as he gets older. And I wanted to pick his brains and find out what he's doing in order to stay motivated and to stay in shape. This is a guy who's done man versus horse, tough guy. He's held world indoor rowing and world indoor treadmill records, as well as running the London Marathon in the low 230s, despite wearing a Hawaiian shirt. God bless him. (laughs) So he's a great character and he's got... He's, he's super, super into his training still, so dead inspirational. So this is this week's interview of the week. All right, so it's great to welcome Hal Davis back on the show. Hal, long-time superstar of British triathlon and, and God knows anything else involving multi-sport and generally beasting yourself in general. So uh, we've got you back on in the wake of you just having the age group win Barcelona Ironman a couple of weeks back. So first up, congratulations on that, mate. How are you feeling? Um fine at the moment <laughs> until i start properly training again and get out on the long ride i'll realize that uh, that fuel gauge will never go back up past half until i properly take a bit of time out but yeah it's, it's something to look forward to well long time listeners of the show will, will know you we've had you on a few times before um but we're always picking up new listeners who might not have heard your story so we'll give them a bit of the backstory i've i've known of you or known you for probably over the past 10 or 15 years or so through the various internet forums that we that we chatted on along along the years but you've always been I mean you came into triathlon from a a multi-sport I I suppose CrossFit wasn't even invented back in the days when you were doing it was it but what did they call it back then no it was it was 
more or less the the precursor to CrossFit is what uh, people who did what I did went on to do. They they went the CrossFit route or they went the tri route or multi sport route. And when I was really just a, a circuit training gym junkie who run a bit and and growing up in South Wales, you you like a bit of mountain biking and and from that I started just doing various multidiscipline things. So the the, the ultra fit cross training stuff was great. It was it was hard. It was 15 minute gym based exercise. But but then you do things like uh, obstacle racing that is now, again, very trendy. But in, in that day, there was there was one race, really, the tough guy race. And from that, I got involved in adventure racing. That was back. It sounds like a long time ago. It was, it was a different century. <laughs> <laughs> it is a long time ago, man. <laughs> yeah. So in 1999, for a few years, I, I did a bit of adventure racing. It was then through knowing Glenn Cook and Robin Brew, who were very big in the tri-world at the time, they taught me into having to go at an Ironman, which at the time was a, a step down in distance from the five-day adventure racing. So once I did my first one in Almere in 2000, from then I pretty much got hooked on doing a couple every year, and, and, and that's how I got into tri. So... You you were always a really good, really strong cyclist and really really strong runner, and you were always coming through the pack after your swim, which which back in the day wasn't as strong as it as it ended up being. But I think your story is interesting because you you went through the story arc that I think a lot of age group triathletes do, where they they typically come from one of the three backgrounds, and it's it's the guys who are strong on the bike or the run who tend to do better just because of the nature of how long each of the relative events are. So. You really went through that sort of starting out as a swimmer who was swimming in the you were swimming in the one tens, one twelves, one fourteens in your first yeah. Ironman, weren't you? And you ended up training yourself through to what was your fastest ever Ironman swim? What did you get yourself down to? Um, well, it's if you want to use swimming as the uh, the tipping point, really, it was it was that year. I think you might touch on it later, but when I raced in a, in a pro field i had two stints of racing as a prath and it was it was really that don't even entertain that fact until you can swim under an hour so i managed to do a couple of swims under the hour at the early ironman uk swims and that was before gps was common so i, I doubt they were proper distance <laughs> and then the notorious i'm on austria which i think again was under distance but uh they were my my early successes but then i did frankfurt non-wetsuit as a as a pro athlete and had an absolute disaster but the following year went back and that was last year and did a a 53 swim which for for most people would be seen as being pretty quick but yeah uh, no question i mean that's amazing isn't it to go from guy who who's like middle lane in an average club swim 118 118 swim in your first one through to a yeah. well that, i think that's great to hear because firstly a lot of people sometimes don't see any progression in the swimming so to see examples of someone who are like an adult onset swimmer getting down to the low 50s that's a really solid swim isn't it mm. so i think the last time we spoke you'd had your first season racing pro you'd been to frankfurt and it was it was that day where you ended up having to race non-wetsuit in the swim but it was bloody freezing yeah. on race day wasn't it yeah it was well, I, I don't mind um, cycling and running in the rain, but the I know you, you don't want to swim in the rain because you get wet. But it was, <laughs> I know what you mean. It, it was um, 
I think it was just a wrong decision from the race organisers, not taking into account the water temperature and the air temperature, because you you come out of the swim and, and yeah, you can cope with a, a bad swim, but when you then can't... Can't get warm. Uh, zip your tri suit up, you can't put your helmet on and you, you, you're fumbling around with your nutrition bag and throw it all over the floor and you, you pick up a water bottle and that spills out and then you can't grip your brakes and you can't change gear. It's, you know, you're in for a, a tough day. And then about five miles up the road, you, you see sat on the side of the road in tears, you see Daniela Reef saying, I've had enough, this is too cold. So it, for someone like that to say, I don't want to do this anymore, it was just the wrong decision for that day. Yeah. Uh, but you, know, you get through it, you don't see it as a sticking point, but it just meant that you're playing a bit more catch up on the bike and run. But it, it turned out to be a good race in the end, but you just get scarred by those uh, little disasters. Yeah, I bet. Did you race pro all the way through 2017 as well then? Did you race pro that second season? No, it was... Um, if you go, go back historically, I was I was racing pro based on your... You just had to apply to the, the British Triathlon in Got 2008. I, I did Aust- I'm on Austria in the pro field. Okay, and that was the first dabble I had, and then I managed to maintain that for the sub nine elite at Roth, and then challenged Barcelona twenty ten, and then then that was it. I, I didn't didn't really race again much after that. I did um, Outlaw twenty eleven, that was just the the Outlaws Open field, and raced age group that year for um, a couple of races. But then I, I returned back to Trath on twenty fifteen. And having done a couple of seventy point three races and marathon training, it was it was clear that I I just wanted to step up the competition a little bit because the the age group racing wasn't necessarily that competitive. Having just turned forty, and or being thirty nine that year was was you know beat, beating the system really because you're racing the age group above. So it was then a case of with um, British triathlon, you a CV of results and proving um a level of ability so that was where uh, racing pro in 2016 was and it was really just for the experience to say can i can i get myself in swim shape to be able to be not an embarrassment <laughs> and, and that was and that was the main goal is if i can hang on to a pack and not be last at the swim in a pro field then the biking run would bring me through to to reasonable results i was i was never set out to contend the podium and never set out to make any prize money out of it. It was just to say, can I get in amongst that field for some competition? But then when the, the ruling changed to be within the 8% of the, of the winner and you're picking big races, so you're basing it off people who will go in sub-8 yeah. to say, well, to go sub-8, I've got to be racing consistently in the 8.30s. It was just a step above. And then I thought, well, Okay, it was fun while it lasted, but let's be real. I need to get back to age group racing and just concentrate on my own times. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so you've gone back. Let's circle around and talk about Barcelona this year, then, because um, I'd I I'd, I'd love seeing your little tweet come up with the photo of the like. Here I am. I've just won the age group, and it's you lose track of your friends over the years, and then you see them, and it's like, oh, great, he's raced again. So you're one of these guys who seems to pop up every couple of years and, and with a great result somewhere. So how did, how did Barcelona end up? Well, how's your season gone this year and how did you end up at Barcelona? Well, it's, um, it's a funny season because I, my season's more or less based on trying to do this impossible 
dream of, of running a fast London marathon, which is now six years into its, uh, its drama. <laughs> it just gets harder <laughs> and harder every year. And then I start cycling after that. I don't really do a lot through the winter. I'll, I'll mainly run through the winter and, and pick up the cycling. I go out and beast myself for a couple of weeks in France and then come back and race. Yeah. And as soon as I get back racing, I find, well, that form's still there. So I did I did a few middle distance races earlier in the year and, and um, I win those. And there's a little bit of prize money involved, which is which is great, but that's not the, that's not the motivation. And then I try and look for a big... A European race where a couple of my athletes and myself can go and race. We picked Barcelona, so it ends up being quite a long, drawn-out season. But um, yeah, I did Isman at the start of the year as well. So I did that in January, which is just a stupid idea <laughs> to try and train for an Ironman and the hardest Ironman you ever do in the middle of winter. So you don't get that long mileage in your legs. Um, but yeah, I don't do a lot of racing just because I. I'd, I'd rather do the training and have the, the the one big race as the the big focal point of the year. I don't I don't go chasing lots of trophies and medals and things for the sake of it. It's it's more the experience of the race and and coming to an end point of a of a training plan really. Yeah. So the build up to Barcelona was it's it's a tough race to to mentally sustain yourself for and I, and I feel for the guys who go to Kona every year because October in the UK is, is a crap time and you you get to the end of the summer and and the nights are drawing in you can't get out in the evenings anymore and you've still got to maintain that fitness for a race so it seems like a great idea at the start of the year but by the time September and October comes you you want to get back to the trail running you want to get back to doing other things you don't want to open or swim anymore so it, it's a tough one to to keep going for. But for saying that, it was it was something that the summer of, of cycling was good, that I've uh, been injury-free running, swimming's been fine. And I did a couple of um, a couple of races up in Buttermere. But again, they're, they're not things I you really need to shout about, so that's why I don't hear much from me. But yeah. <laughs> uh, they're good fun hard races and and you you do them for the experience you're not setting out to to win anything but but this one was this one was a case of well can i still win the age group even though i'm now in the top end of that age group could i be still mixing it with a pro field and you, you just want to answer those questions so barcelona is is a third time out there and i like it because it's a really flat sea swim and it's a nice fast bike and it's just good but boring run um so 2010 i went out and did 8:54, which was one of my fastest times at, at the time and it's nice to think eight years on with not as much fitness not as much uh desire if you like and age and body can you still get anywhere close to that so that becomes the motivation rather than you know it, racing is always dependent on who else is there and yeah. in an Ironman, you don't really know who's there because not everyone's wearing numbers and you don't know what the rolling start throws out and who started further back. But you just do your best on the day. What did you what did you come out with overall at Barcelona then with with 8.54 being the, the kind of target time from 2010? How was it eight, nine 8 years 54. later? <laughs> 8.54, bang on. 8.54, bang on the same, yeah. It was a, a slightly faster swim, but 
about 10 minutes slow on the bike. Slightly different course as well. Yeah. And a faster run. So I'm overall happy with that. But it was it was back in those days in, in 2010. I know I was I was doing a lot more cycle training and a lot more time trial and uh, much stronger on the bike than I am now. But I guess you, you get older, you race a bit smarter and you you can preserve a little bit better and save it for the run. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about in terms of, I always find it interesting to, to pick into an athlete's mindset and work out what, what keeps them motivated or what drives them. So you've got the contrast here between a couple of weeks ago, we had Elliot Smales on, who's in his early 20s and winning all the 70.3s in the UK, virtually straight out of university and super keen. And then we've got someone here who's got 20 five more years of racing experience probably but still coming out and performing at the highest level so first up what is it that motivates you to get up and train every day these days i'll be 100 percent honest with this and it's the fact that you just don't want to deteriorate and that's really the motivation is to say the moment you feel yourself going backwards it becomes a real worry and I'd say that point is very close. And when you cycle your training properly, you don't see that deterioration over the course of time. You you allow yourself to regress. So with running, for example, you, you get into March, April in the best run form of your life. And then you let it slowly regress through the year until you get to november december and you know you're going to start that cycle again and each time you start that cycle you've got this belief that you can get to that same level if not 0.1 percent better than you were by learning from the previous year and that little bit of motivation when you're in your 40s is is enough whether it's true or not whether you do increase any pace but that belief you still can gets you up in the morning and gets you out training and you can look back on training diaries and uh, and personal best from previous years and you think, how the hell did I get that? But then come around the same time, you do get back to it and or you get within sniffing distance and you think, as long as I'm injury free, as long as I'm doing the other work and I'm I'm still doing the mileage for it, you can get very, very close. So I still, in my head, think I can get to a low 230 marathon. I might not ever break the 230 I set out to do, but it's going to be there or thereabouts. And the same with a bike. And you you look at power numbers and you think, well, when I was at my best, I was doing that. And if I can get half of that in terms of time, then it's a sniff and I can get the next bit. And then as long as I'm doing the mileage and doing the harder training, I can get closer and closer. And then you get out to... I go out to the Alps every year for a few weeks and you repeat the same climbs and and you're there or thereabouts every year and you, you're close. You know you should be going backwards, but you still get close. And, and that's the motivation for me. With swimming, I can still do it. I can still get faster. And I'm still as fast as I was last year, if yeah. not getting faster, as long as I put the effort in. And I still find the, I find swimming still interesting about overcoming new challenges and whether that's a a 10k in a pool whether it's a 20k open water whether it's doing obstacle racing swimming in rough water doing different lakes there's still swimming things to achieve that will will test me other than time whereas 
running and cycling is more based on the absolute of I need to beat this time to show I'm improving. Whereas the swimming is, is overcoming different conditions, overcoming different challenges that I think having never been a swimmer, I don't have a, a catalogue of pool times that I think are anything special, but I do have a catalogue of lakes I've swum. Yeah. I've done the length of, or I've done a crossing of, and I, and I'd like to do more of those. So, in order to be able to do those, you've got to keep up that ability to be able to swim 10k at a time without without slowing up. And okay, I'm not going to circumnavigate the country, but um, I am going to do <laughs> some lakes, and I'd, I'd love to do like Windermere one day. I'd love to do Loch Ness one day. I'm, I'm not going to swim the Channel. Um, hey man, never say never. That's no, no. that's the first rule. But, <laughs> but there's there's different motivators for each discipline, and then when you put them together, and you think, well. The, the beauty of age group triathlon, once you go past 40, I mean, I'll say it now, I don't believe there should be age groups below 40. Everyone should be 19 to 39, open field. If you're young enough, you're good enough. If you're old enough, you're good enough. But when you do pass a certain age, then, yeah, you, you start to regress. And uh, I do feel that a little bit, but it's still then the challenge is, is to kind of race smarter to get back to what I was doing 10 years ago. And you you do play around with bike positions different training methods and and different run tactics and and you can always find something as a goal with an ironman and i I still want to do that perfect ironman of the sub one the sub five and the sub three run never done it in the same race so i've got to find another one to do yeah (laughs) And, and that's what's making me hover over the button next year to enter another one which i probably will yeah that's it's really interesting isn't it that we um we we talk about like there there is going to be this inevitable decline we know there will at some point but it hasn't happened yet and we were taught growing up you know past 40 things are on the downward slide but it doesn't seem to be that way in triathlon like you've proved that if you keep doing the hard work 40 41 42 43 44 you're still reaching those same i mean you still hit the same time in barcelona as you did in in 2010 so i wonder whether the the research has been done on a different generation of people who maybe the decline happens because you stop training rather than just because of a function of age and maybe if you keep training maybe you end up who knows how long it can go on before the age-related decline starts to happen it might be 50 or 55 rather than 40 or 45 i think the the untapped thing here is at what point does someone break? And when you go to a breaking point and burn out and your career is over or you have to have a few years off, then you find out the hard way. But I can honestly say I've never gone to a point of training to an absolute limit where I'm close to breaking. And I think the training smarter and I probably train a lot smarter now in the 40s than I did in my 30s and, and 20s just because I've got to. And when it comes to understanding why people regress, and a lot of that is down to, they just don't want to do the hard work that they used to do. They, mm. it, it, it's not the thing that they enjoy doing anymore. And I'm the first to put my hand up and say that, that there was a time when I used to love going out and beasting myself for four hours on a bike trying to hold 23, 24 mile an hour just on a training ride on country lanes. And, and I'll honestly say, I, I can't remember the last time I did that. It certainly wasn't in the last five years. 
Whereas my bike rides now, uh, if I'm going long, I'll go to a coffee shop and I'll, I'll put a mark on a map and say, that's where I'm going. I'm going to sit there, have a coffee, and then tootle back. And, and that's my mileage. But my intensity comes in the same way as it always has, is doing short, hard, very, very fast sessions that can be over and done in 90 minutes. Yeah. And then it becomes performance-wise that you, you're checking power against targets or um, you're checking speed, distance, time, whatever you've done previously. But the the long distance, long, lonely miles, and, and I'll never be one and never have been someone who wants to sit on a turbo staying at a white dot for five hours. I just think, why? you got nothing to prove by that. And yeah, I, I ran a marathon on a treadmill once. I ran a marathon on the track, but it, it's not something I see as functional training method when there's so many better things you can do that engage you a bit more. Yeah, so yeah. the I think the motivation goes, the, the willingness to push yourself to hurt goes. And I certainly find that with running now is that I enjoy running a lot of miles. I, I, I fudge my, my run training by saying, well, if I can't run fast, I'm going to just run long. And I'll quite happily knock out a 100-mile week. But what I can't do is is a hard training run one day and then get up and run the next day. I'm, I'm just ruined. Yeah. So the moment I try and put any pace into a, a training run, the next day is a write-off. And that becomes a bike or swim-only day. So you, you try and look at, how can I minimize that? And that's where things like treadmill training come in, or you, you're doing a lot of run walk train, or you're trying to run soft ground hills, but it's harder and harder to get that intensity in the week. So one or two hard sessions a week is, is plenty. Whereas in my, in my twenties, it was every day. It was, I, I didn't run any other way. It was stopwatch on unless it's a PB run, it wasn't a run. Oh, yeah. um, now it's, it's it's very very different in terms of run training but it's still a long run it's still two hours it's not it's not a massive chunk out of your day whereas your five six hour bike ride is as boring as it ever was and and i just choose not to do those <laughs> <laughs> well i was i was reflecting before this interview actually that so many of the so many of the as you grow up you get into your sport and you get into coaching and you're, you're constantly looking at different ways that athletes train and different ways that coaches coach. So many of the things that kind of percolated through into what's now my training philosophy came from looking at some of the things you were doing that was so different 10 years ago to what anyone else seemed like they were doing when, you know, this idea of, um, I mean, no one else will remember this, but those old tax eye magics that we used to have mm. where you could download each other's rides and I could try and race you around the Hal Davis 10 mile time trial thing back in the days before Zwift even existed. I mean, mm. they were, they were well ahead of the time, weren't they? That was, that was cool. But the interesting thing with that was everyone else was talking about lots of long, slow miles during the winter. And I was watching your races and going, well, Hal spent his entire winter either doing intervals on the rowing machine or intervals on the bike. And then he gets to the springtime. And then when the weather's nice, he says, well, it's time to go out for a longer bike ride now. And, and that'll be much more fun than doing it in the winter. It, it, was a, it was almost at the time it was against what the popular wisdom was, but you had the balls to do it back then. Mm. Long before anybody else was shouting about it and, and clearly just kind of go with the idea of, well, I'm doing what works for me and it works for me. And if it's not what fits with the textbooks, who cares kind of thing. And I always thought that was really great about you. You always sort of plowed your own, plowed your own field as it were. 
Yeah, and um, I'd recommend to anyone listening to say, if you want to challenge that theory, try and train for an Ironman in January. <laughs> <laughs> Go out with you in races for a man. Yeah, and you realise that why you don't want to go and do five-hour bike rides during the week and on a weekend. And during that race, and I'd say I probably overperformed in those races, and the only thing that let me down was the ability to hold a position on a time trial bike that uh, I picked up after leaving, say, September with the, the most aerodynamic extreme position set up on. And then you get it out in January and think, well, I'm now going to do a six hour bike ride on it and your neck and your shoulders start to hurt. And you just think, ah, no, it's yeah. just too painful. Yeah. But you've you've got to do it by training hard indoors or hard outdoors in something that motivates you to go and do it. And for me, it was the short, hard interval sessions. It was it was staying at a computer screen sometimes or or being out on the road. And going back on what you just said in terms of the eye magic then the eye magic is a perfectly functional piece of equipment it's a turbo that you can race yourself on and and why don't i use it now it's because i'm, I'm afraid of that level of pain yeah <laughs> it's as simple as that as you get older it's i don't need a, a, a swift distraction i don't need other people around i don't need gadgets to be able to train this the, the fundamental thing is that that machine would give me the results I wanted to do, or wanted to get, sorry. But I just look at what I was, what I used to do on that, and I can race myself on there from 10, 12 years ago, and it's gone. It's, <laughs> I, I, there was some power numbers on there. I, my eyes water at, even, even now, looking at the times I used to do for time trial then, compared to what I do now, I just think, well, I've got to race smarter. I've got to be more, more aerodynamics. I'm not going to hit those numbers again. But exactly the same with rowing. The, the rowing, you get a, a far better uh, cardiovascular workout in 30, 40 minutes than you would on a four-hour bike ride. And when I did seasons of rowing, when I was challenging some of the endurance world records, the first ride on the bike, you go out and do the session you do in the summer. You, you've got a, you have a 15, 20-mile loop that you do. You do it week in, week out. You test yourself on it. And... I got my road bike out, rode around that faster than I ever did on a time trial bike. And the numbers I was putting out for, for that season, it was in, um, it was around 2011 when I, when I last did a big rowing stint on there. And I can't get anywhere near it now, even though you're reasonably bike fit in your, your 440 Ironman bike shape. And that's on a, a full setup, aero helmet, disc wheel, tri-spoke wheel. And this was on a bog standard road bike. So it, it speaks for itself. And I think if I wasn't marathon training now and had this this idea, this this vision, this um, perhaps, perhaps it's still unrealistic, but to me there's still hope. If I wasn't marathon training through the, through the winter, I'd be back on the row machine daily mm. because that was the intensity of that was the single best thing I could do for training. And whether it was rowing or whether it's a walk bike, whether it was the Iron Magic or whether it's a treadmill, those those 30 minute, 40 minute pain sessions where your heart rate was was far higher than you'd ever get running just because you could push it that hard. 
were the things that that really turned my season around. So I'd come in in the spring in in great form. Yeah. So I'm quite tempted to do it again this winter. <laughs> we're talking you into it. <laughs> yeah. God help anyone who's racing in the male 45 category next year. <laughs> uh, there's, there's some big hitters in there, so I'm, I'm, I need to be on my toes. <laughs> hey, listen, just before we wrap this up, I know you, you obviously you do a lot of coaching these days. So uh, tell people where they can find out more about you if they want to go. And you've got a great blog as well on the site to, to read about your various adventures. So for the coaching and the, the endurance adventures, where do people go to, to find out more about you? Um, yeah, that comes back to those old tri talk days where I was um, a, a kind of I wouldn't say it's a trademark, it's not trademark, but the the catchphrase was a was being in the hurt box for the training. So as you get a bit older and you think a bit more, I'm now thinking outside the hurt box. So that's my uh, that's my blog name. Nice. But I, I set up a, a coaching website, um, try-bcoaching.co.uk, and I work with a, a group of athletes, some local, some international, and from all ranges, really. And whether it's just running or cycling or, or whether it's Ironman. But, um, yeah, we've got, we got a great little group. It's it's very much based on my philosophy of, of coaching and training. I don't, I don't pick up any textbooks that would be the law of, of triathlon training. It's, it's very much based on who you are, what time you've got available, and what strengths and weaknesses are and somewhere we find a method that uh, that works entirely for you so that's that's probably a lot more fun than any other job I've ever done <laughs> Which, it, it takes every single best bit of my 20 year of teaching career the the planning the the marking and feedback and the the, the school trips if you like <laughs> everything that was great about it and turns it into a new career so yeah well, I'm all for it awesome stuff all right man listen thank you uh thank you so much for taking the time to join us all the best for your coming season uh are there any spoilers about where you might be racing next year have you got your eye on any races yet or are you going to keep that under your hat for now well i'll, I'll say it out right now that kona been there done that got the t-shirt had a poor race but i've got no intention of going back but i i do look at the results and think yeah that's that's kind of where i i think i can be so in terms of championship racing, because next year is New Zealand is a bit far away, I might have a shot at Nice this year. And point threes. Like, yeah, I quite yeah, like yeah. France. And uh, France, I go over a couple of times a year, so I might end up going four times this year because there's another fast Ironman out in the middle of France in August. So that might be my, that might be my race for this year. All right. That's um, Ironman Vichy. So good stuff. So anyone who's racing male forty five next year, they're gonna they're gonna have to deal with you at either Vichy or the World seventy point threes if things go to plan. Yeah, they need a big lead on the run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks very much. All right, cheers, Rob. Good stuff. I uh, I like how Hal's mindset works there. I like how he sort of says to himself, the thing that motivates himself is. I don't want to be slower than I was last year. It's like competing against the former version of yourself and trying to be smarter and kind of using increasing knowledge to compete against the increased or the, the greater ability of your physical self a year ago. I love that idea. And that, and it's interesting that it's, it's against yourself rather than against, you know, the others in your age group or, or something like that. Like speaking to, um, 
let's say other pro triathletes sometimes you talk to them about you know why you're still doing it what keeps you motivated and, and they'll say well it is that improvement year on year and it's other people making you raise your game as well whereas if he's saying i want to beat the person i was or you know from last year yeah that's an interesting interesting twist on it yeah it's a nice twist to, to, to try and be try and be the best you can be all the time i really love that and how's one of those guys who he really walks the talk so yeah good lad good to have him back on Right, let's jump into Coach's Couch. I think we've had a question, haven't we, Hells, over on the old Facebook community group? Yeah, Will Pither in the Oxygen Addict Community Facebook group says, I'm starting on my journey into try. So I thought that the best place to start is with the outlaw next year. <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> Why not? Go in, go in at the deep end. <laughs> Forget the local sprint. Will, go for it. Yeah, you are our hero, Will. <laughs> So he says the stressful part at the moment is the swim. Will, you're not alone with that. Uh, and then he asks, what should I do with these? So things like fins, pool boy, snorkel, yeah. etc. So he's posted a picture up there of a, of a bag full of swim toys, basically. Toys? What should swim. I do with these toys? Yeah. <laughs> well, my first answer, Will, is you're just going to put those toys away into the cupboard for a little while and ignore them for a bit because we're going we're gonna to hopefully put your mind at rest a little bit over the swimming part here. Um, so I think, I think swimming is the part that most athletes coming into triathlon who are not from a from a swimming background find the most stressful, despite the fact it's actually going to be by far the shortest part of your day. So even though you're going to be swimming for say maybe an hour or an hour and a half, and the bike's going to be maybe five to seven hours, that hour to hour and a half at the start of the day is the thing that is really stressful to people. So First up, you've got ages to get yourself into swim shape. And the reality is that on race day, when you're wearing your wetsuit, you're going to be incredibly floaty anyway at the best of times. And that's something that nobody ever really talks about at the start of the winter. That wetsuit is like a little neoprene surfboard floating all around you and is going to keep your body nice and high in the water. You physically cannot swim under the water more than about a foot with a wetsuit on anyway. So you are not going to be able to sink. So all of those worries that you might have, Will, you can put those out of your head. You can then turn your attention into how are you going to get yourself into shape that you can complete the swim nice and relaxed without needing to worry. And then whatever the speed is, is whatever the speed's going to be. You don't need to get hung up on chasing times at any part of this, but you just need to think to yourself, I need to improve my stroke enough so that I can swim relaxed and I can swim confidently, but I don't need to worry about the fact I'm not going to complete the swim. So the way that I kick off swim training within the guys that I coach is, once you've got to the point where you're confident actually being able to swim up and down and complete your standard sort of club swim, and we're going to assume you're that kind of swimmer, the most important part of your swimming over the coming months is going to be to do some regular testing to know exactly where you're at at a given time and to know whether the things that you're doing in training are actually making a difference or not. And within the time training system that I use, the key part of that testing for swimming is going to be doing what we call a CSS test. So if you're familiar with a threshold test in cycling, it's very similar to that. It's basically going to give you a number at the end of it that you can relate all your swimming times to. So the test is dead simple. You're going to do a 400 meter swim as fast as you can. You're going to take five or six minutes recovery, and then you're going to do a 200 meters as fast as you can. 
And then you can plug these into a pace calculator that's going to tell you your uh, your predicted CSS pace or your predicted threshold pace. And that number, all it does is it gives us a number to make everything else relative to. So let's say you do your tests and it tells you that your CSS number is two minutes per 100 meters. We then know that if you're doing fast swimming and training, you're going to be shooting for two minutes per 100 if you're doing slightly more relaxed swimming, it's going to be 204 per 100. If you're swimming steady, it's going to be 208 per 100. And if you're swimming easy, it's going to be 212 per 100. So everything comes down to testing regularly so you can see whether you're improving or not. And then making sure that when you do your swims, you're actually sticking to that. I call it like the rule of fours. So a real big challenge. And I want everyone listening to take this in. They do the CSS test and then they think they should do all of their swimming at CSS pace. And you're going to get most of the benefit from doing most of your swimming much easier than that. And it's super hard to learn to swim a bit easier than you're capable of. So give yourself a break, work out what your number is, but then give yourself permission to swim slower than that and get used to swimming slower because that's where you're ultimately going to make your your biggest gains by swimming relaxed most of the time and hard when it counts. There we go, Hells. That's there it. There we go. Interesting, Rob. And and then the, the the toys will come into it at some point down the line. But I was going to say that um, on Friday I was at the club swim and we had to do a I think it was three hundred meters and you had to do and it was sort of split up into um, into hundreds basically. Yeah. But you do three steady and then one hard. And when you're in a lane with other people. Sometimes it can be, especially in a sort of club swim environment, um, sometimes it can be difficult to stick to what you're meant to be doing. And I was very, very conscious, actually, because I was leading the lane on this particular um, set. But I really was, there really was a difference between the sort of 300 steady and then 100 hard. And you can, you can, and when you do do it, then you're like, okay, I can totally see why you need to do certain steady and then the others hard. And then, and you really do feel the difference. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? The, the change of pace is only going to work if there's a change of pace. And if you do most of your swimming, I think the big challenge is like, if you didn't swim as a kid, you really don't have very good judge of how fast you swim in anyway. Like most of us get in the pool and the fastest hundred of the day is the first one we do in the warm up for whatever <laughs> reason. Not because we're trying really hard, but that's when all your little swimming muscles are all really fresh and then they get really tired and give up really quickly and you end up slowing down for the rest of the set. So I think it's really worth that. That thing you said, you consciously so slow yourself down for the steady swims. And then when you do need to go fast, you can really punch it and really make a difference in pace. And I think a lot of people listening are probably going, what, he wants me to swim 12 seconds, 100 slower than my CSS pace. But if you go and try that, you do exactly the same in cycling. You do exactly the same in running. The challenge isn't that we're trying to get you to go slower. The challenge is that you're probably doing most of your swimming too fast most of the time. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. I love getting in the water and actually, yeah, seeing. <laughs> and I swim quite a lot with a friend and we do, you know, we do push each other, but I think we're good at going. That's um, the key, isn't it? Going slower when we have to. 
you you guys push each other when you need to, but you also have the same sort of goal, so you know to back off. Yeah. And like you said, the club environment can be really hard to have your own agenda for, unless everyone in your lane is is on the same sort of agenda as you. And it's it'll really pay dividends for people if if everyone realizes, you know, we can work together by not killing each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Wednesday swims just used to be a oh, they just used to be a kill fest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no matter how you, you try and get people to back off, yeah, that they don't want to. That's the no. thing. And they're no. probably going, in terms of physiology, they're probably going above VO2 max intensity for most of the swims because yeah. that's, that's all they know. And they, and you don't want to get tapped by someone on the feet behind you as well. You've got this like fear of being chased, haven't you? Yes, massively. Yeah, yeah so there we go. <laughs> we'll have like the oxygen addict winter swim amnesty. <laughs> Back the pace would... up just a little bit. <clears throat> all right, we've got a couple of things to mention here before we move on, right? The first thing is, We've got some of the Oxygen Addict kit um, available to buy at the moment. The team kit shop is currently open and it'll be open for the next week. So it's going to be closing on Monday, November the 5th. So um, go to raceskin.co.uk. And if you want to get some of the black, red and white kit that you've seen loads of people racing in, that's available to buy at the moment. So Rob, I'm going to say I have the skin suit and it is really, really comfortable. They're they're nice, aren't they? Yep, yeah, it's really comfortable. Uh, I've worn it for Ironman Wales. I've worn it middle distance. I've worn it in, I don't know, sprints, Olympic stuff this year. It's quality kit, really comfortable, and it looks pretty cool too. And it's fast. That's the other thing about it. It's it's that rare combination of fast and comfy, whereas I've tried some skin suits on in the run-up to this, and although they look like they'd be really quick on the bike, there was, I'd be singing soprano in the choir if I tried to run in them, I tell you. <laughs> well, I was, to I was able, to, yeah, I was able to run a marathon in it, so it, it, it's, it's good stuff. It's good, good. Right, so the kit shop's open, raceskin.co.uk, click on My Club Shop and you'll see our little logos up there. There's also a link to it in our Oxygen Addict Triathlon community group. And the other thing to mention is um, Team Oxygen Addict is closing for memberships also on Monday, November the 5th. We're closing for the year, so if anybody's thinking about getting in, we've got a couple of slots available but thanks for everyone who's joined recently we've been pretty inundated with new members coming in so i want to close the doors and concentrate on getting everyone set up there so we'll be opening sometime in the new year again but if you want to get in before then and get your winter training sorted then get on it this week for us everyone okay right just a quick couple of bits of news before we finish hells the first one is to give a shout out to peter mccleave at 10,000donors.org because he's the man isn't he he is the man. We had him on. You interviewed him in episode 201 and he was diagnosed with myeloma just after completing Ironman Wales in 2016. He set up the website 1000donors.com. 10,000. To... Sorry. That's okay. Oh, there's a lot, sorry, of, there's a lot of zeros there, isn't there? <laughs> oh, gee whizzo. So rewind. He set up the website 10,000donors.com to increase the number of stem cell donors um, to help find matches for people so i know that a lot of people heard the interview and they have gone on to 10,000donors.com and got all the information there and then they send you the little swab in the post and things like that yeah. so go back listen to episode 201 if you haven't heard it and then head to 10,000donors.com 
And I just want to say it's dead nice thanks to the people who have posted pictures on Twitter and Facebook of them getting the kits and they've just got to do like a little swab inside the mouth with a, it's like a little, um, almost like a, like an earbud thing, isn't it? Almost that they've yeah, got like to a use. Thing. If you're one of the people who's gone ahead and done this, thanks so much. We really super appreciate it. So yeah, check it out. 10,000 donors dot, I think it's dot org actually. Maybe it's, anyway, the link's in the show notes. It's somewhere there. It's probably a typo by me. So the link's in the show notes, either 10,000donors.org or 10,000donors.com. Who knows? Maybe both hells. <laughs> it comes up at 10,000donors.com. Brilliant. So he's got both of them. Good stuff. Yep. All right. And the last thing to mention is, a bit of a cheeky one this from me, but the 220 Triathlon Magazine Awards are open for another week. And if you were thinking about voting, I would really appreciate it if you'd consider putting me down for the Coach um, Award. I think it'd be, it's one of those things, Hells, isn't it, where you never want to ask people to do something for you like this, but it'd mean a lot to get nominated for that. And so if you've had help or you found the advice useful on the podcast this year and you can see your way clear to nominating me, I'd really appreciate that. It'd be awesome. Yep. Just Google 220 awards and it'll come up. Cool. All right, Hells, what have you got on this week? What's coming up for you? This week, wedding this weekend, Rob, actually. You were already married. <laughs> my dog's oh, got no boom. nose <laughs> oh boom 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 yeah no friends wedding this weekend so, yep no training so that'll be no no training i don't think it'll no because it's quite a lot of um driving in the car to get to it so no training yeah. is written off and then i don't know a bit of swim bike run this week there'll be a halloween spin special Clearly, playlist is done. That was done this morning. Yes, Michael Jackson Thriller is on it, Excellent. as are a load of other songs. So, if are anyone you going to lead the session dressed up? Are you going to be dressed up as a zombie? <laughs> well, I was given a pumpkin last week from somebody there, so I could take <laughs> a, a, a carved pumpkin with me this week. And from the race on Sunday, I got a Halloween buff, so okay. I can go as a Halloween. Um, I don't know, some sort of Halloween headgear. That was probably Helen, about Helen, as far. All this, all, this is all very nice, but you, you're avoiding the question of why you're getting dressed up as a zombie. And I think the listeners know that the answer to that should be yes. I think, we, I think we need you in full zombie outfit with makeup, please. Could you imagine Mr. Rob Wilby doing a <laughs> spin, spin session in full turbo makeup? In makeup? <laughs> Quite frankly, I cannot. <laughs> Just, that'd be just a it, it would be a good before and after photo wouldn't it it would be great actually it would be absolutely great people turned up in fancy dress for that i love it oh my god oh, we'll oh my see. god right what have you started oh, right. right let's wrap it up all right everyone thanks very much for listening you've been listening to the oxygenetic triathlon podcast i'm coach rob wilby i'm helen murray and until next week have a great safe training and racing week dress up like a zombie and go to spin class if you get the chance and i'm <laughs> helen will and until next week we'll uh, we'll speak to you all again soon thanks very much everyone see ya